Hello, everyone. This is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. You're listening to another special episode of Surprise Cast, where you will always be educated and entertained. I'm excited to bring in some special guests all the way from Denmark. In 2020, they released a dazzling EP called Every Time, filled with some hazy, shoegazy, noise pop tunes. Their sounds are lush expansive, and wonderfully hypnotic. We're here to celebrate Meltway and their brand new album, Nothing Is Real, which has received some strong critical response. It builds upon their previous work by adding more sonic layers and textures. In addition, it was mastered by none other than Mr. Master himself, Simon Scott of Slowdive. This band is into creating a particular vibe per album. So the batch of new songs really hit the bullseye. Big time. So grab yourself a good drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the very talented musicians Meltway. Prepare to be entranced. Hi. Welcome to Surprise Cast. Christopher, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm good. Very good. Excited to be talking to you about the album. Thank thank you so much. And Christopher, can you tell us what role you have in the band? I play a guitar. I'm one of three guitarists in the band. As you said, we we really work with textures in our bands. And uh, that's why we need to be three guitarists. And uh, I'm one of them. Wonderful. Can't wait to learn more about it. Magnus, how are you doing? this evening i'm doing great and what is your role in the band please i'm the drummer of meltway i might have a few drumming questions as i tried many years ago to play drums i stuck with teaching much better at that thank you magdus nice meeting you thomas how are you i'm good just got home from teaching kids guitar <laughs> but uh, a bit tired but i'm uh, i'm ready you're a guitar tutor. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I want to learn more about that as well. Nice meeting you. You too. Miguel, how are you? Yes, sir. I'm good. Would you like to tell us what you do in the band? I am the, the bass player in the band, and I also do backing vocals. You too. Matthias. Hi. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. A little tired after work like Thomas, but also ready. <laughs> and what do you do in the band? I am the singer, songwriter, guitarist, and a synthesizer player. And now also mixer and, and producer in Meldui. Welcome, all of you. Thank you so much for being part of SurpriseCast. I wanted to start off this conversation about rituals. It's very important in how we get the day started, right? People tend to have a ritual or two to help them really get the wind in their sail. Coffee, music, exercise. Christopher, how do you get your day started? For my uh, everyday job. So uh, every morning I listen to the news on the radio. Um, that's like my morning ritual to listen to the news. So I'm updated when I... Um, when I get to work, so I listen to the news when I get up and when I shower and uh, 
in my headphones when I ride my bike to work. Magnus, listening to the news, does that get your day started? Uh, no, not at the moment. Uh, it used to be, I, I used to have a pretty good like morning ritual with you know some meditation and you know a good breakfast and everything. But lately, I've been working at least forty hours a week, sometimes fifty. So my morning ritual is just getting up at the moment, getting the day started. But um, hopefully soon, I'm gonna get back in, into my old habits and, and uh, you know getting less hours in my day-to-day -day job to you know play more music, hopefully play some more Meltway concerts in the future. Completely understandable. Thomas, what's your morning ritual? Uh, cappuccino and homemade buns. And then actually watch some golf on YouTube. <laughs> Sounds weird, but I really like watching other people play. And I like playing myself, but not in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, that's my morning routine. Matthias? I don't really have a... a specific morning routine at the moment I feel like a, a winter is creeping up on me a little bit but uh, I used to take a cold shower <laughs> um, as the first thing and that would really you know get my nervous system cooled down and uh, ready to, to do whatever I wanted to do so yeah Amigo well, for me, it, it's just uh, as simply as coffee. Coffee with a little bit of milk and just uh, taking it slow. Yeah, I I, uh, um, I teach uh, bass and guitar and I also work as a bike courier. So most of my work is in the afternoon or in the evening. So I have uh, time for slow mornings. Thank you all for sharing what helps you get your day started. During my interviews, it's important for me to understand kind of a little bit of your background, particularly the place where you grew up and knowing that has some impact on who you are today. So my next question is, how did the location where you grew up influence the person you are today? Christopher? That's a good question. I think for me, I grew up in a very small town in like far away from the big cities in Denmark. So I, I basically wanted everything else than that. So I guess the way that the place I grew up affected me is like I wanted to do, or I wanted to live in a place that was completely different from that, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes complete sense. And we tend to have these experience based on our, our living environment that sometimes we're not fully aware of how it impacts us. So thank you for sharing. Magnus, what about you? Well, I'm actually, uh, even though I live in Denmark, I'm from Norway and grew up in Norway in, in a city called Stavanger, which is the fourth biggest city in, in Norway. And it's it's kind of like a city that's a small city trying to be a big city and doing a good job at both at the same time 
So it was like the European capital of culture in 2008. They have a huge food festival. They get like, you know, Gordon Ramsay comes there a lot of times. They have a lot of Michelin restaurants and all that kind of stuff. They have symphony orchestra that's played concerts with a band called Snarky Puppy, which is a pretty, you know, big band. They also have a huge underground rock scene, a lot of punk music, a lot of metal music, which I had listened to a lot when I was a younger kid. So that for sure shaped me and my musical musical tastes from an early, early age. But also when I turned 19, I've moved, I think I've moved five times between countries and between cities and, you know, moved into a city where I knew almost no one when I moved there and started fresh, which is, I think, has made a bigger impact on me than the place that I actually grew up. Thank you for sharing. Thomas, what about you and your upbringing and your environment? First of all, I'm from like the middle of Denmark, of, of Jutland, the coldest place in Denmark. And I would say one of the places with the least culture, like it's business, it's money and sports, I would say. So yeah, I needed to find another place where there was more musicians I could yeah, be with, I think. So I w- moved to Espia 19 years later. <laughs> so real quickly, Thomas, how did you get interested in golf? It was my dad, I think, or my uncle, first of all. Yeah. So I played it since I was 10. Migo, what about you? Well, I, I'm also from a kind of a... Not small, but definitely not a big town in the, the southern part of Denmark, which Thomas, just before this interview, brought to my attention that the music school down there might be uh, the biggest in Denmark if you take the, the size of the city into account. So yeah, there's quite a lot of, I think that's true, there's a lot of uh, culture per capita in that town. The music school was really great and the teachers were great. So that that definitely had an impact on where I ended up, for better or worse. So, talking about location and how that influenced who the person you are today, it's also important for us to recognize that family members, relatives, coaches, teachers can play a significant role during our upbringing. I would like to know who had a major impact on your life and why. Let's start with Christopher. I think I would mention uh, my granddad. He's uh, 90 years old now, and uh, he's a really inspiring person in my life. When he was young, he lives in the same house now, but when he was young, he built a pool in his in his backyard, and he still swims there every morning from April to October or something like that, and that really keeps him going. And uh, yeah, he's an inspiring person in that way, like keeping himself fresh and happy and like good at taking care of himself and he's a really inspiring person i would say are you close to your grandfather yeah very much 90 years old but we have some great conversations together and yeah he's a really important person in my life that's really wonderful to hear i love it when artists can draw a connection between themselves and a relative it's very sweet so thank you for sharing Magnus, what about you? Who had a major impact on your life and why? 
I think yeah, in terms of music and you know be conscious about what I listen to, then my dad for sure. He you know he was the big music guy in my family, and you know listened to like Pink Floyd, David Bowie, a lot of Paul Simon, Simon and the Garfunkel. Yeah, a bit also my grandparents, which I realized a bit later in life when I inherited their vinyl collection. It was a lot of jazz and a lot of classical music. And then I started recognizing a lot of that from watching Tom and Jerry cartoons as a kid. And then I started realizing that the music in Tom and Jerry cartoons is incredibly good. But I only realized until, you know, I was a you know teenager and, and grown up that, yeah, the music there is great. And I think that's probably being conscious about, you know, what I listen to is, is kind of from a young age and realizing it later. Thomas, did you acquire such a vinyl collection? <laughs> Actually, recently I got my parents' old vinyl collection. Yeah. But I wouldn't say they are the ones inspiring me into music. <laughs> it's I have two uh, older brothers from late 70s, and I'm from 92, so they are quite a lot older than me. Yeah, and it's, it, you can say they kind of forced me to listen to like rock music, Guns N' Roses and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and so on. I had no choice. I was... Uh, what is it called? Fostered. Can you say that? By them. <laughs> Musically. Yeah. And my oldest have brother you, played guitar, so uh, I wanted to as well. Have you told your brothers how appreciative you are of them and their influence? Yeah, I, I have. They definitely, they told me, do it, go to, go to music way. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Migo, what about you? Who had a major impact on your life and why? So my parents always wanted me and my brother to do either music, dance, or theater as a hobby. And we just didn't want to do it. We'd rather just play Nintendo, do whatever we were doing. One day, out of nowhere, my brother says he wants to start taking bass lessons. And then it's that brotherly thing that if he's doing it, then I'm doing it too. So my little brother is responsible for me playing bass. Have you told your brother that? Yeah, he knows. And Matthias. I'd like to mention Klaus Gahn, who was my mentor when I studied at the Danish National Academy of Music. He was helping me a lot, shaping my way, so to speak, after some, some tough years during high school. And he has helped me enormously find my own sound and do the music that I that that I do. So thank you, Klaus Gahn. All of this is so great to hear. I can recall listening to Iron Maiden, Van Halen, Duran Duran, Thompson Twins, Depeche during my childhood. What bands artists spoke to you at a young age and why? Christopher? Well, um, as a guitar player, you have to you have to say Jimi Hendrix, right? I had a really inspiring guitar teacher when I started to play guitar. Like really, a blues guy showed me, you know, 
players like Eric Clapton and Mark Knopfler and Jimi Hendrix, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. And that's a lot of years ago now, but they're still like some of my main influences, I would say. So yeah, like, you know, the really good blues rock guitar players, David Gilmore, Jimi Hendrix, definitely. Magnus, those are some heavy hitters in terms of inspirations for Christopher. What about you? I think before I kind of like, you know, had the full spectrum of choice between music, the 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 band and the, the that I listened to the most was when I was, you know, in in the car with my dad when he was driving me to school or something. It was REM especially an album called uh, Automatic for the People. No, Automation for the People. I can't remember what it was called. But but yeah, for that album. And then at some point I remember, you know, it, it was, I was growing up, you know, born in 94. So when I started to like kind of being able to listen to music, it was, yeah, kind of CDs, but then also a lot of like, you know, even though it's, was illegal back then and still is now. I think I can say it without getting in trouble. It was a lot of line wire for a while. And then after that, I got Guitar Hero. And then I, you know, the, the, you know, the, the video game Guitar Hero. And then I started downloading torrents. And then you could like find one artist and you can download the whole discography through torrents. And through doing that, one of the first bands that really spoke to me was Queens of the Stone Age. And that was probably the first band that I like dove deep into. And then there were also bands that like Led Zeppelin and the who, and you know, the guys that has the big drum player, you know, Keith Moon and, and, and John Bonham, which is, probably one of the reasons why I realized drums was going to be the instrument that I was going to play because those were the bands that spoke out the most. And those were also the bands that has the biggest drum players of the old school rock scene. REM has been mentioned several times from artists and being an impact and influencer on their lives. So Thomas, did you capture that as well with REM or Queens of the Stone Age? I think it's a hard question because like it's so much like it's so wide and I don't know where to start and if I should start from the beginning or like what is inspiring me now yeah you know because it used to be Metallica and Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Dire Straits, Mike Knopfler yeah but today it's okay I still listen to Dire Straits uh, quite a lot actually. But today it's more experimental music. I listen to like weird music, and <laughs> I'm I'm the worst at names. So yeah, but uh, I don't know what to say actually. Mark Knopfler, Dire Straits, and weird music all sounds good to me. Migo, what about you? Well, as as a teenager, I was very big on Rage Against the Machine and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and later Muse came into the phrase so you know these like big huge well-known bands that also have prominent bass players and active bass playing on them so yeah those were that that was the music where it was really easy for 
a 14, 15 year old guy in his parents' basement to go on the internet and find, you know, tablatures, bass tablatures for those sounds, those songs, and trying to learn them and figuring figuring them out. Figuring them out. Yeah. So besides my little bro- little brother, it would be uh, Flea and Tim Comerford and uh, Chris from Muse who uh, got me into playing bass. And we'll wrap up this question with Matthias. What were you listening to, or what are you listening to that really inspires you? I was uh, I was having a time as a teenager where I was hardcore into Linkin Park, and I definitely lime wired everything Linkin Park <laughs> back then, and it was all day, every day, for years and years, and it just spoke to me so profoundly during those. Uh, kind of angsty teenage years the the frustration of chester's voice just got right through to me even though i i didn't actually know a word that about what he was singing about i don't really listen to lyrics that much which is probably a little weird thing to say as a lyricist but his frustration just oh it just really i really loved it i also had a like a slipknot Slipknot time also during my teenage years to kind of like express this rebelliousness that probably everyone goes through as a teenager. But uh, I, I very rarely listen to that stuff anymore. Today I listen to, to a lot of ambient music, really, which is quite the opposite of Slipknot. Calm meditation music and of course experimental ambient music indie rock music dream pop lots of things yeah i love all this diversity in terms of artists bands that i just heard thank you all for sharing so christopher in the movie chaplain with robert downey jr there's a magical scene where he finds a pair of shoes a bowler hat and a cane at that moment he became the little tramp. When and how did you realize you were going to become a musician? I'm here. I'm actually going to mention my uh, my granddad again. When he and my grandmother had their 50th anniversary, my cousin he plays guitar and sings really well, and he played a song for them at that party. And I don't really know why, but I just remember everything about that day and that trip. I just knew that I was, I wanted to to start taking guitar lessons. I think I was 12 years old or something like that. And I think it was something about like the way that everyone just became silent in that room and just listened to him play the song for these two people. It was a special moment. And I think that just really spoke to me. And that's the moment where I knew that I wanted to start taking guitar lessons. And then I just got really into it, like you do with stuff when you're in that age and just really nerded playing guitar and didn't look back since. Yeah, that's my moment. Love how quickly that came to your mind, like you knew instantly. Thank you for sharing. Magnus, what about you? Did it come right away? No, not right away. I, I remember like when I started playing drums and and the period 
that made me kind of really go deeper into drums. I, I started playing drums when I was like 14, 15 ish. And then my dad passed away around when I was 15. And then for a while, drums became kind of an escape, kind of like therapy. It was like, and also a punching bag, to be honest. And then I started a music high school in Norway where you like for the first year of high school, a third of the classes is music. And by the end, like the third year of high school, two thirds is music classes. And I realized that I wanted to keep doing music, but I was unsure of like in what, on what level I wanted to do it. So for a year or two, I kind of had odd jobs here and there. And then at some point I realized that I don't want to have this kind of stuff. I want to have, I want to make sure that music is, I don't know if it's going to be like playing music is going to be a central way to make a living. Wasn't necessarily the thing that I wanted to do, but I realized I can't stop doing music. It has to be a part of my life. And that's when I realized I wanted to, you know, get into a music school and a music academy. And so I started chasing that after having, you know, working in a bookstore and working in the kindergarten and now doing music that much. And, you know, I did that for a while and then I realized I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I gotta at the very least try and give it my all. And then that's what I did. And then I got into music academy and then, you know, Meltway started and here we are. I love that connection you just drew to your father. It's very tender, very sentimental. So thank you for being slightly vulnerable there. I appreciate it. Thomas, what about you? Yeah, I think it was like the final turnaround. Oh, can you say turnaround? Like where I knew it was music that I really wanted to do. It was in high school doing all these different subjects. Like, yeah, there was just so many things I had to do and I really just wanted to focus on one thing so I don't hope my mom I don't hope my mom will watch this but I kind of not did very much high school in the end I was just playing guitar and yeah you know then the grade goes down and uh, but I became better at playing guitar yeah so uh, I think that's what happened isn't that funny in life how we seems to be a downgrade in something, but we also go up in another way? Just an observation. Yeah. Miguel. Yeah, for me, playing music growing up, kind of, um, yeah, not really growing up, but later in my late uh, teen years and early 20s, it just became kind of like a sport to see if I could like keep getting to the next level of the different music programs we have here in Denmark. So getting into like a talent program at the music school and getting into a preschool for the conservatory and then getting into the conservatory. So I was just trying to get to the next level without really having an end game. So my my chaplain moment is actually uh, not that long ago. I think it was when I got my master's from the academy or the conservatory. So that, yeah, now I have this paper and now there's truly no going back. I'm a musician now. Congratulations on that achievement. Matthias, what was your chaplain moment? 
I think my moment was back in tenth grade. We were going on a trip to London, I remember, and this was back in 2010. And this was back when dubstep completely exploded on the internet and YouTube and everything. And we were in this uh, CD store, and this music were were playing at the speakers. And I I turned to my friend. He and I was like. Do, do you know this music? I've never heard anything like it. And he was like, yeah, th- this is dubstep. It's th- this new thing. And you, 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 you can actually produce it yourself if you get the, 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 the right software. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I need to, to get the software and get started producing. So for a long time, I actually thought I was going to just produce dubstep music. And I did for many years. And as Thomas mentioned, I really... Also, spent a lot of time during high school just producing dubstep music <laughs> every night. And later, I, I used some of these dubstep tracks to to enter the, the Danish National Academy of Music. So it was a good thing <laughs> that, that I spent all those hours with the dubstep music. And also, it, it should be mentioned that I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I actually studied electronic music during my five years at the Danish National Academy of Music. It was only when Mikkel, he showed me bands like Slow Dive and My Bloody Valentine that I was just completely just completely sold <laughs> and, and wanted to do that also. So yeah, that was my turning point. Such wonderful stories. So different from one another. Very inspiring. Thank you all. Me... As a professional educator for over 20 years, I often received critical and positive feedback from my work, from administrators, parents, my students, all of which helped me become a better teacher. Christopher, what have you been told about a strength or weakness of yours as a musician that impacted the way you approach your music? Well, I'm, I'm not a songwriter or a lyricist. I'm a I'm a sideman. You know what I do is like the way we do it in Meltway, it's a very collective process, but it's always Mikkel or Matthias most of the time that brings a sketch to the practice room and then the rest of us like we uh, we color it, like we we decorate it and we come up with new stuff and new ideas and new roles for it and that's that's what I'm good at. Like I'm not good at writing the rough material. I'm better at like taking it to the next level together with the rest of the band, which is a really nice thing that we do in this band. Like we really, we, everyone has a say, even though that maybe just one person or two persons like came up with a sketch for a song and that works like really well and makes the songs, songs that we all have our say in. It's a really nice thing, and that's how my strength, like, uh, yeah, like, that, that's, that's how I use that in this band, I would say. I love those two words that you use, color and decorate. Great adjective to describe your role and your strength. Thank you for sharing. Magnus, what about you in terms of your strength or weakness? What have you been told? Well... I'm kind of unsure about this question, to be honest, but 
I remember it, it's it's probably going to be mostly you know critique that I got you know during my five years in, in the music academy. One in the beginning was definitely technique on on drums, which I've made big focus point whenever I you know practice drums. Another one I remember was, but that's also related to especially like improvising in music, but I feel like it's also helped with having, you know, playing more structured music like we do in Meltway because it's, it's very little improvisation, but it was one of the, the main things was like taking risks. I always kind of, in the beginning, especially like the first couple of years was like, I always played it safe. I didn't, you know, I, I was never the person, especially when improvising, that did the thing on my instrument that made the music go in a different direction, which was one of the things I focused on. Like my bachelor project and my master project was about having music that was completely improvised, where somebody had to make a musical choice that, you know, made the music go in a different direction, which. I feel like sometimes happens in Meltway. I feel like a lot of the times in Meltway, I play a lot of the same beats or like a lot of the same stuff. But whenever there is a big change in the drums, it makes a huge impact, which is obviously, you know, not because of me, it's a collective thing. It's like Christopher said, it's, it's a whole writing process of, of Meltway is a very democratic process. And, you know, we always try everybody's idea. If anyone has an idea, we try it out and see if it works out and maybe it doesn't work out, but then we try out the idea and maybe that idea leads to a new idea that ends up, you know, being the thing we do. One of the things I used to talk to my students quite a bit about stepping out of your comfort zone, taking the risks and the rewards that can come with that. Thomas. Risk taker, not a risk taker. What about your strengths, your weaknesses? I would say I'm not a risk taker, but then still I I did a tour with a drummer playing improvised music. Like, like if it, I don't know how to explain it. Hardcore, like fuss, gent, but improvised. Like free improvised. Not jazz, but <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, in that sense, I'm a risk taker, I would say. But sight reading is weakness. Did you ever get any feedback, though, from someone that directly pointed to that strength or weakness? Yeah. Like technique and sight reading. When I studied in Tallinn, Estonia, my teacher, he was, he was hard, but he was very good. He was just, again, and then I played one note, no, again. And uh, yeah, we did that for a year. It was amazing. It helped me a lot. I just interviewed Ed Harcourt, an amazing musician from England. And he talked about working with Flood, the omnipresent, amazing music producer. And he used to tell Ed, nope, go back and do it again. Nope, come back to me in six months. And just really push Ed in that way. So that made a connection. Thank you for sharing. Miko. Well, in terms of like feedback, I would say the the teachers that I had and the four of us, not Matthias, but the, the rest of us had at the academy here in Espia, 
they were always uh, they were really positive about what I brought in for uh, composition classes, and I haven't really composed anything before I started the academy. So that really uh, instilled a sense of confidence in my abilities as a composer and an arranger. So that that feedback definitely had a, had an impact. Let's close this conversation, Matthias. What about you? I, I'm going to have to mention Klaus Garn again during my five years at the Danish National Academy of Music. I, I remember one day I just I brought in a tune where I was singing, and and he was like, "Who's that? <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> where, where, where have you been with 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 with, with this, this singing all the time?" And uh, and so he he just. He he made me believe that I could sing a lot, and I really took that to to my heart, so to speak, and and p- p- continued singing for for many years. In terms of the of the weakness, I remember we were going through a time with my electronic music where I just over overdid things all the time, and he wanted me to just try to mute to to mute some of the tracks that I had, and. I just didn't know what he meant by it, but like I just I've just produced these drums. Why do you want me to to all of a sudden mute them? But as I did mute them and listen to to the song again, it just made more sense. So I am um, I think he has helped me produce music that is more into the core, so to speak, and and have a more minimalistic view. And even though it even though this was the electronic music I was working on, this also translates a lot in my songwriting in Meldway. I try always to do these into-the-core sketches that I bring in to the band that we can work on together. So, um, yeah. We know music unites band members together. How did all of you meet and know it was time to start Meltway? Migo? Well, Matthias, you touched on it briefly before. We have been uh, we started the academy at the same time in 2014, so we had been friends for a couple of years, and then I believe it was on the first year of our masters, so on our fourth year of the academy. I had been like trying to get Matthias into shoegaze just because I liked it, and I started started him off with some uh, my bloody Valentine, and he was like, "Why is why are the guitars so sharp?" He hated it. And then, then okay, I'll, I'll try him out with some slow dive instead. It's, it's, it's a little bit softer. And he, yeah, he he kind of he kind of dug it, dug it. And then the poor guy suffered a heartbreak. And then he really understood it, and he got it. And he also understood my bloody Valentine. And then one day, like all of all of a sudden, he just approached me with the two small sketches for songs that he had on his uh, computer. I believe it was just like a melody and four chords each. And then we got together and developed it. And then and yeah, okay, we, we, we got something here. Let's let's try get guitar and some drums on it. And so we did as you do when you're studying at an academy. We just popped our heads out into the cafeteria to see who was around. And fortunately it was Magnus and Thomas. And we just were like, Yeah, we're working on some original tunes you want to come in and jam on them. And they did, and they started contributing. And I think we all thought it sounded pretty good. And so we started a band, writing a couple more songs, and started playing locally at uh, 
like small festivals and venue events and stuff. So that's how the four of us, the four of us got together and we were quartered for quite a while. And then Thomas went to Estonia as an exchange student. So he was gone for a year. So we got in Chris, Christopher initially as a stand-in for Thomas when we were playing gigs. And then we were still kind of writing more songs and Christopher was part of that process and he just fit in really well with the band. So when it was uh, time for Thomas to return, it, it was kind of weird letting Christopher go. And so we just thought, let's try it out with an additional guitar, even though we already have two in the band. And it just worked out beautifully. So that's how we became a, a quintet. I get a sense there's a strong friendship amongst all of you based on the story, what you just shared, and also hearing previous responses. Thank you. I recently read a quote from Pop Dose magazine. I've always loved listening to records that hold on to a vibe, like really holds on to it, from the very beginning of a song to the very end. It's like you're under a spell or something. It's an entrancing feeling to get lost for a while. We've attempted to structure our songs this way on the EP. Matthias, can you speak more about that? Yeah, so this was a quote that was made shortly after we released our debut EP every time in 2020. And uh, I feel like it, it stands pretty uh, good and, and, and explains quite righteous what we attempted to do with that EP. In terms of our new album here, I do think that it's it's actually quite valid as well here and there, especially in in songs like Diamonds in Your Lies and and Stargazer, where it's like we we really are trying to just stretch out the mood as much as we can. However, how it differs from 2020's EP, I do think we have become more playful generally speaking, and not shy so much away from other genres such as noise rock and and punk and uh, and grunge a little bit. So I think in many ways we've become a more confident band, a curious band, if you will, when we've uh, structured this new album together. I, I also think a lot has happened sonically uh, since we got Christopher into the mix because all of a sudden we have this capacity to create enormous soundscapes with the guitars. With the debut EP, it sounded big, but but now it sounds enormous. <laughs> so that's also a big difference, I think. Yeah, I think that's about it. The use of the word vibe, atmosphere, I've heard that multiple times from artists. So I'm glad that was kind of on the consciousness of your your approach here. Christopher, would you like to add to anything that Matthias just said with regards to your EP work and the new album? Well, yeah, it was just the, the four of them before I came into the band that made the EP together. But I, I joined in on playing the songs live, especially when Thomas went abroad. But I remember my me and Matthias talking a lot about that the next thing that we should do should be more hi-fi. Like the EP is very dreamy and lo-fi. We want to make something more hi-fi. We listen to 
We listened a lot to Dive record right now. I don't remember the name of it. Do you remember, Matthias? Deceiver. Exactly. Which is like hi-fi shoegaze. And we wanted to go in that direction. And as Matthias says as well, we have the songs that like stretch out a vibe and holds on to it from the beginning to the end. But I think we also like stuffed some surprises in on the new album that I really like. Like, for example, when we played the release concert last week or a couple of weeks ago, the part that everybody was filming with their cell phones was the end of the song Dream Punk, where we like play a very, very dirty riff that like comes out of the blue. And a lot of people have like, they, they mentioned that part of the album when they speak about it and what they like about it, it that it, came, it comes out of the blue and it, it's a nice surprise. And that's a thing that I really like that we do on this new album because it's not like just shoegaze or just dream pop. Like it has, it has some touches here and there that makes it a melt wave. And you're bringing all those flavors and going back to what you said earlier, Christopher, those colors based on experience and this goal and desire. Love it. Magnus, you wanted to say something. Yeah, it was kind of supplementing the, 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 the thing Christopher was saying about one of the parts that people filmed the most for, from the, from the release concert was one of the things that went the furthest away from from shoegaze in a way and i think a lot of us didn't really listen that much to shoegaze until we started this band and then we kind of found each other in shoegaze and dream pop but each of us has like a vast you know selection of influences from you know rem and you know metallica and more heavy stuff and more jazz and more weird avant-garde music and then after it was for me personally it was after joining this band that i really started listening to to shoegaze and especially the the shoegaze that spoke the most to me was more the hi-fi shoegaze like you know you know the other guys mentioned dive and i can see you have on the back of your wall you have is the isr by dive which is for me personally it is by far my most favorite shoegaze album of all time and it is you know it's a genre that has like a big cult following i don't know if it is having a revival or if it's just me you know diving into it realizing that it has a big cult following but i i'd also feel like it is a genre that you know it had a thing but it's also kind of moving in the direction and i think that's one of the reasons you know it, it's just kind of working out with what we're doing and doing together is the fact that we're you know we're playing stuff that's really inspired by this thing that has kind of a following but we're also not stuck in what it always has been and i feel like personally i'm happy with the result that we've done on nothing is real where it's definitely you know heavily inspired by dream pop and shoegaze and all that but it's also kind of its own thing